welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. This week for us was, um, was a, a good week. Um, I felt like I hadn't spent a lot of time with my girls over the past few weeks. Like, it's just been, it's just been a little crazy. And in the past couple weeks, Miss and I have been to a few concerts. So I don't know if you guys, Budweiser stage is like rocking. I mean, it's like every night, it's, you know, there's a band out there. So about a week and a half ago or so, we saw 30 Seconds to Mars with Mr. Wives. And then this past week, we took the girls and we saw Imagine Dragons. And I was saying to Matt and Rebecca this morning, I was like, that was our first concert with the girls. It was their very first concert. I, my very first concert wasn't with my parents. Um, and I was like, we're pretty cool parents. That, <laughs> like, we, we take our girls to this concert. Now, here's the thing. Um, they were great, these concerts. And these are three of our favorite bands. And actually, what's funny is, we just discovered Imagine Dragons like last year. So, hey, can you catch that? Um, we, yeah, so we haven't really been along on their journey, but what I love about these three bands is uh, they are, they're very philosophical in their lyrics. If you guys, 30 Seconds to Mars, you guys, probably most of you guys don't know who they are, it's Jared Leto's band. So Jared Leto's the front man, Imagine Dragons, you've probably heard one of their songs, if you're alive. <laughs> uh, Dan Reynolds is the front man. Mr. Wives, you've probably never heard of. Um, it's a playoff of Sister Wives, because it's, it's a girl uh, front person, and it's just the rest of the band is guys. So, but each band has their own unique identity, each band has their own unique voice, uh, and they're all very prophetic in, in their lyrics. We're not top 40 people. That's why we just discovered Imagine Dragons last year. Um, we're, more, and, and the, we're more people who love like, a journey and like, a philosophical undertone to people's lyrics. So Imagine Dragons is one of these bands. It's very philosophical. It's about his struggles uh, with mental illness. It's about his struggles with, with um, being a Mormon. And, and, and how that's played out in his life. And that's why Imagine Dragons is a, is a clean band, because he's, he's a Mormon. Uh, and <laughs> they're almost more, more clean than... Yeah, anyways, we won't get into that. So, um, and then Jared Leto, when we're at that concert, I'm like, all their songs are like a spiritual journey, like a microcosm of his spiritual journey. And... When I'm there, I'm just like, everyone's cheering, right? If, if you've been to a concert, everyone's cheering, everyone has their hands up, everyone's toasting their booze, everyone's screaming and yelling, and people are holding on to each other and singing these songs. And it's just like a worship service. I'm like, everyone's worshiping something here, whether it's the people on stage or, or the music, or they're just, they're worshiping. And they're worshiping more than a lot of us worship in church to, to God. And, and I'm just looking at it, and my heart is, my heart, at each concert, my heart just broke. Because 
we, we love these bands because of their philosophical journey, their spiritual lyrics and, and undertone, because you can see a real journey. It's almost an exegesis, an interpretation of our culture. They're prophets, guys, and there's 16,000 people or more at Budweiser stage. And they have influential voices, and they're, they're molding these, this generation. At Imagine Dragons, it was kids all the way to, to older adults. And it was such a wide range that I'm th- I was like, man, these guys have such a voice for multiple generations, and they're, cr- and they're prophesying over this crowd right now and saying how we should live, how we should believe, how we should act. And they're so close to the truth. That's what's heartbreaking about it. Jared Leto, if you listen to the lyrics from 30 Seconds to Mars, there's one song that says, the war is won. Lift your hands to the sun. The war is won. Now it's sun, S-U-N, not S-O-N, right? And you're just like, ah, he's one letter off. (laughs) He is so close. That's how close he is, one letter. And it just, and it broke my heart um, just, to, just to be there and, and to see these, these, these bands who are just on this journey. And, and when we read this passage, the narrow gate, the way is hard, uh, the wide gate, that it, is, that it is easy, it's a path to destruction, this is the picture we have. We have this picture of a mass of people, 16,000, that is just going. And it's the easy way. It's, it's the wide way. It's the way that everyone's just moving, and the mass is just going that way. And then you have a few people that just kind of peel off, and, and they say, no, actually, that way looks worse. It looks harder, and it actually is harder, but we're going to go this way instead. But the picture we have here is just the mass is moving this direction. And, and like I said, these guys have, I, I believe, like, artists are kind of our, our cultural modern-day prophets in the sense that they're crafting our generation and they're pushing us in a certain direction. And, and now, obviously, prophet in the sense of they're not, they're not necessarily the voice of God, right? Um, but in some respects... They also are. When you look at a band like 30 Seconds to Mars, it's causing you to think of something greater than yourself. It's causing you to think of something that is beyond just having an awesome time at a concert. And, and for us who are followers of Jesus, that's our role. Like we, when we have the Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have the Spirit dwelling in you, your role is a prophet. Your role is to do what Joanna did in, while we were singing, is just to speak out the truth of God. You know, in Acts 2, when we receive the Spirit, Peter's preaching, and he quotes the, the prophet Joel, and he says, when you receive the Spirit, sons and daughters will prophesy. You will prophesy. And so many of us aren't doing that. So many of us have our mouths shut. So many of us have our lives cordon off, and we're not prophesying over the, the culture. And, and this morning, I want to show you guys that that's actually our duty. It's actually our privilege. It's actually our responsibility. It's actually how we represent the Father. And so the bottom line this morning is this. If you are awakened by the Father, you're activated for the fatherless.
If you're awakened by the Father, you're activated for the fatherless. Some of you guys, you'll say you're awakened by the Father, but your lives don't look like it. You're not actually activated for the fatherless. And when I say the fatherless, I mean, when we look at our generation, and all I mean is those who are living right now, um, you know, you look at the mass of people at these concerts, we're just fatherless. We're spiritual orphans. We're just roaming around. And, and what Jesus has been trying to do in the Sermon on the Mount is adopt us into the kingdom. This is why Paul uses this language so much, that the Spirit has adopted us, because we were just orphans. We were just, just on the easy way leading to destruction. And so in this verse, when he says this, when he says, enter by the narrow gate, our question should be, well, what is the narrow gate? What is it? What does it look like? Where is it, Jesus? Well, I'm not going to rehash the whole Sermon on the Mount, but it's the whole Sermon on the Mount. It's what he's just told us. Jesus here is, remember, this is one whole sermon, and Jesus is kind of landing the plane right now. That's kind of like sermon talk for, for concluding. He's, he's finishing the sermon. He's, he's landing the plane. He's like, he's like, trade tables up, seats in your upright position, I'm going to come by for the trash, uh, like, put your electronic, your large electronic devices away. Like, I'm about to land the Sermon on the Mount. And, and he says, enter by the narrow gate. And what we should think is, oh, we should know, since we've just read it, since we've just talked about it, that the narrow gate is, is all this other stuff. Jesus starts off by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's pretty narrow. When you, when you look at your own life, are you poor in spirit? Like, if you're not, why read the rest? Why listen to the rest? Right? Jesus is saying, first, poor in spirit. That's, that's how narrow it, it is before you even get to the gate. It's like the path, the path is narrow. It's like just a hole in the wall there, and you're like, uh, I don't know if I can fit in there. That, only the poor in spirit can fit in there. My ego is too big to fit in there. And you have to start with that. And that's where he starts, guys, with humility. And then he goes into salt and light. He goes into uh, things that really plague us, anger and lust, uh, commitment. He goes into integrity, loving your enemies. It's like by the time he gets to loving your enemies, how many of us are still standing, right? How many of us are still around when we get to that point? And then he goes into uh, how to pray. He goes into some spiritual disciplines. And then he says, just trust God. Don't be anxious about, about little things. Just trust God. And at this point, you're like, man, I can't do any of that. And Jesus says, exactly. You can't. Your reality is you can't do any of those things. That's why a relationship with the Father is so key, because you can't do this. And he says it's narrow. The gate's wide, the way is easy. This is verse 13. That leads to destruction. That word destruction, a lot of times when we read this passage, because he does pit it, he has destruction, then he says, and then he says life. The way is hard and narrow, it leads to life. So you have destruction here, you have life here. And a lot of times when, when we read this, uh, or if you've heard this before, you think, oh, he's talking about life and death here. And 
maybe, and maybe like sometime in the future, but that's the problem when we think about life and death. It's sometime in the future. Not many of us wake up in the morning and say, I hope I don't die today. Like it's, we're disconnected from it. It's, we, we think of death as something way out there, especially for, for those of us who are younger. We're like, oh, death's way, way down the line. I don't even think about that. And then as you get older, you start to think about it more. You start to think, oh, did I live my life how I wanted to? What legacy am I leaving? What, what am I leaving behind? Have I, did I pour enough into my kids? Did I, um, did I fulfill my call? You know, things like that start to, start to plague you. But right now, most of us are just like, yeah, it's somewhere over there, and we're detached from it. And so this word, it's not just about death, guys. It's, this word also has a connotation of waste. It could actually be translated as, as the way that is, where am I? The way is easy that leads to waste. How many of you guys are just wasting your life this morning? How many of you guys are wasting opportunities to live for Jesus today? It's not just about death way out there. It's about what we're doing right now. And Jesus says the way is easy that leads to waste. And we're just okay with it. We're just okay with living our lives a certain way and it leads to waste. And, and this is even more... This is even more, uh, we see this even more. It's even more clear when we know the word that Jesus uses for life. There's two words in the Greek for life. I've talked about this before. I normally don't use, don't throw out Greek in a sermon, but this is something that's really, that's really um, helpful for us. There's two words for Greek. You probably know one of them. That's where we get the word biology. It's just bios. And, and that's life. It's physical life. It's breathing. I, I have life. Jesus doesn't use that word here. So that's why I say maybe he's not talking about life and death. Maybe he's talking about something different, a quality, because that's the word he uses. It's the word zoe. So if you know someone named Zoe, that word means life. That, word, <laughs> that, that name used to be popular in the like, mid-90s, right? People were naming their kids Zoe. I haven't seen it much anymore. Um, but it means, it means life. And it doesn't mean breathing life, physical life, that I am alive. It's a quality of life. And so when Jesus says, I came to give you life and life abundant, he doesn't use the word bios. He uses the word zoe. And when he says here, the way is hard that leads to life, he doesn't use the word bios. He uses zoe. He says, I'm giving you a different quality of life. I'm giving you something that you've never experienced before. And that's, that's what's offered to us, guys. And a lot of you guys are saying, I'm not living that life. I'm trying to follow Jesus, but I'm not living that life. Or you're saying, I don't know Jesus, and I don't know if I want that life, because I don't want that quality of life. And you've, and you've uh, misunderstood or, or misread what that life is. And we're going to talk about both those things as we move along in this passage. So... Going into verse 15, he says, beware of false prophets. Why? Why would he say that there? You know, one issue we have with the Sermon on the Mount, and I've repeated this over and over again, is that we interpret passages based on how they're broken up in our Bible. Because each of these sections has a subtitle, so subconsciously we see it, and now they're separate things. But Jesus, when he's preaching this, he's just saying them. 
And he's saying them right next to each other. And, and because of that, when we come to this passage, I haven't heard, most sermons I've heard in this passage apply it in a totally different way from how Jesus meant it. Because they just take this passage apart from the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. But why would Jesus say, beware of false prophets here? Why would that be important here? Because the false prophets are the ones that are keeping us in the way of destruction. They're the ones saying, stay over here, guys. Come over here. No, it's, it's good here. They're the ones saying, this is where you belong. Like, here's the thing. We're all in the way of destruction. We were all once there, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, we were dead in our trespasses. We were all in this way of destruction. We're all just wasting away. And only those who are, follow, who are following Jesus are now on the way to the narrow gate, on the way that leads to life. And, you know, the, all these, these musicians that I talked about earlier, and, and I liken them to prophets, even though they're all unique and distinct and everything, None of them is pointing people to Jesus. Like I said, they're all just missing it. And that's what a false prophet does. Now, a lot of times false prophets aren't intentional. We're just living our lives and we're taking in things from the culture and the culture doesn't know any better. And, but sometimes Jesus says they are intentional. He says, and beware of them. Beware of those who sneak in there, who look like sheep, but are actually ready to devour you. They're ravenous wolves. And he says, they're the ones who come in, and they offer you grapes, and they try to hurt you, basically. Because it's like taking a grape from a thorn bush, or it's like taking figs from thistles. It's going to cause you harm and pain when you reach in and take it, because they're going to they're prick you. And then he says also, that every healthy tree bears good fruit. This is verse 17. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. What is the diseased tree? Well, it's a false prophet. Because we sometimes um, divorce this from the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, we take it to, a lot of Christians will say, oh, well, this is like, we'll apply this to anybody. And, and that's a legit application that there's some healthy trees, there's some diseased trees, and we can recognize people by their fruit. But, Jesus is actually specifically talking about false prophets here. He's talking about those who come in to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about those who are trying to trick. He's talking about those who are trying to keep us in the way of destruction. And so those are the diseased trees, and they bear bad fruit. That, and that, that fruit is it's malnourishing us. Right? We're not getting what we need from it. And that's why when we follow the way of the world, it's so dissatisfying. That's because it's just malnourishment. It's eating, it's eating rotten fruit. He says, you will recognize them in verse 20 by their fruits. I, <laughs> I learned something new this week. Um, before this past week, I thought I, I, I'd lived most of my life thinking that pears were were one of the worst fruits. Okay, I'm in a pear. So, 
Pears, I thought, you know, they're, they're hard, they're dry, they're bland, there's just nothing good about them. And then at our leadership team meeting this past week, Jamie Applin brought in some pears. They were pears like I'd never seen before. They were brown. I'd only ever seen green pears. Has anybody here seen a brown pear before? Okay, put your hands down. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Everybody has seen a brown pear except me. Uh, I just thought all pears are green, which is, which is pretty dumb, right? Because there's like a million different types of apples. But in my mind, I just thought there's one type of pear. And I'm like 38 years old. I'm 37. Um, so my whole life, I've been living just green pears. And Jamie's like, here, you should try it. Basically, he forced a pear down my throat. No, I'm just kidding. He, he wasn't, he didn't, but I'm like, okay. And I tried it, and I was blown away. It was, it, it was juicy, it was crisp, it wasn't hard, and uh, it had like this touch of sweetness to it, this like subtle sweetness that was really good. So I came home and I was like, Missy, we need to get some brown pears. <laughs> And uh, she's like, I think I've seen those. And I'm like, I'm about to blow your mind. <laughs> this is going to be really good. And it, like, it totally changed my whole perception of, of pears. And when he talks here about fruit, there's, there's good fruit and there's bad fruit. Most of our world has just been exposed to that green pear. They, they, they have this semblance of truth. They have this... Um, this semblance of, of what life should be like, of what, of what they should be doing with their lives, and it's just falling short every time. It's bland, it's dry, it's hard, it's, it's just it's tasteless. And our, our privilege as people who've tasted the real pear, what a pear should be like, it, it, sh- it should be... Uh, it should be full of life, and, and this one was juicy, it was sweet, it was, it was crisp. And, and we have that to give to people. And yet, like I said earlier, we're just over here keeping it to ourselves. Or what's worse is we may not even be experiencing it. Jesus says you will recognize them by their fruits. Are you producing a bland pear this morning, or are you producing a brown pear? What's it called? Bosk, a bosk, 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 a bosk pear. What's the what's the green one? You guys know? Oh wow! Like just stop. <laughs> There's too many. Bartlett. I've heard of that one. So yeah, are you? Which one? Which one are we producing as a church? Which one are we producing as people? What do you produce at work? What are you giving people uh, when when they hear and you share that you're a Christian, that you follow Jesus? What are they tasting there? Are they tasting the goodness of the Lord? Or are they tasting something different? And if they're tasting a Bartlett, I don't know. We may be a false prophet because we're misrepresenting Jesus. We're misrepresenting what he came to give us. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in the Gospel of John. It says, no one comes to the Father except through me the way, the truth, and the life. And so for us, I just want to talk about these three, three things very briefly and in terms of how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to do if you're a follower of Jesus. And so the way, Jesus says that he's the way, which means that 
if we're in Jesus, then, we're, then we've discovered the way, then we're, we're on the right path, we're on this narrow path, and it is hard, guys. It's, it's not easy. Um, but some of you guys, if we're to show other people the way, some of you guys don't even know the way. Some of you guys are lost on the way. And you have no idea where to point people because you're just as lost as they are. And all this is going to come back to relationship with the Father. And that's because you don't have a relationship with the Father. Guys, it's about relationship with the Father. You're struggling in your life. You're, you have, you're like, you don't understand my life. I have all these circumstances. This, 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 this. I have this illness. I have this thing happen. This happened to me last year. This happened to me last week. This happened to me yesterday. Uh, on and on and on. And I get it. I don't want to diminish your circumstances. Like They're very real in your life. But there's a difference when you're living them with Jesus. There should be a difference, or else you're just like the rest of the world. I can probably take your circumstances and put them on somebody who's living with Jesus, and it could look totally different. Like, that doesn't mean it's, ha- it's not hard, guys. I get it. It's hard. Jesus said it was going to be hard, but he also said it was going to be abundant. He also said, I'm going to be there with you. And I saw someone last year, I don't know, maybe it was more than a year ago, Wendy Sasso, go through a diagnosis over a year and a half of terminal cancer. And, and I'd never seen someone live the abundant life more with a diagnosis of terminal cancer. Like that, out of all our circumstances, that, that's one of the worst. And yet she's living the abundant life. She's sharing Jesus. She's pointing people to the way. And she's encouraging us along the way. Us who are struggling with, you know, A, B, C, and D. Like, it was so beautiful. Jesus is greater than your circumstances this morning. And our privilege is to show people that even though the way is hard, we get to do it with Jesus. And that makes all the difference. The second thing Jesus says is, is that he's the truth. Again, we have the privilege to share that truth to tell people the truth. The problem is, most of you guys, probably, a lot of you guys, a lot of us as Christians, we can't tell people the truth without being completely awkward. We can't tell people the truth without, like, we just, it's like we're normal, and then we start talking about spiritual things, and we are freaks. And people are tasting the Bartlett, and they're like, wait, what, what just happened? You just got weird on me. Like we, most of us just don't know how to share our faith regularly. Once you have a relationship with the Father, once Jesus is your life, you will just share your faith. I talk about my kids all the time because they're part of my life, a big part of my life. I talk about Missy all the time because she's the same way. I talk about this church all the time because it's the same way. How much more so should I talk about Jesus when Paul says that he is your life, your life is hidden in Christ? If that's true, which it is, then we should just talk about them. And it shouldn't be awkward. It shouldn't be. Now, I won't go into everything. We're going to do a spiritual gifts series this summer. And, and so we'll talk about the gift of evangelism and what that means, what it looks like. And we'll deal with all that um, probably in July when, when we get to it. But it is, 
it is our privilege to be able to share people, share with people the truth, and the truth is Jesus. Right? We, we get to point people to him. The, the last thing Jesus says, uh, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the last thing he says is that I'm the life. And guys, this is the uh, abundant life. This is the life that Jesus said you were always meant to live. This is the life that Jesus came to give us. This is the life that he modeled for us. Jesus didn't have a whole lot in his life. Right? He, didn't, he didn't have a whole lot of friends. Out of his 12 friends, one stabbed him in the back, like, and then the rest kind of left him at his moment of need. He didn't have a house. He didn't have uh, a lot of things. He, 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 he said he had nowhere to lay his head. And he just kind of roamed around the Holy Land talking about the Father. And yet he would call that the abundant life. And so this morning, are you, is that what you're living? Would, when you look at your life, would you say, I'm experiencing Jesus, I have the abundant life. Like this is, this is what Jesus came for. Like my life looks like Christ. Most of us, when we look at our lives, it doesn't look like that at all. We're not experiencing the abundant life. And if we're not experiencing it, how can we give the world that life? How can we show them that life if we ourselves aren't experiencing it? And I've said this before too, I'll reiterate it again, because you're like, well, how do I get there? Like, yes, I want a relationship with the Father. Yeah, I, that stuff sounds good. I'd love to live the abundant life. I would love to be able to tell people about Jesus and not, not um, feel like they're, I'm going to isolate myself. I'd love... I'd love to, to be able to show people the way. It all starts with spiritual disciplines. This is why this part is connected to, to the earlier part where Jesus talks about spiritual disciplines. And so the question for you this morning is, what are those like for you? Do you actually spend time with the Father? How do you know the Father if you don't spend time with the Father? And, and we can point to things in our lives, which a lot of us do, like, well, this happens, and this is happening, and, and this, and this, and this. But at the end of the day, if you're not hearing from God through his word, if you're not spending time in community, if you are not spending time in prayer where God is speaking to you, then you may not even know the Father. And then how are you going to know his will? And that's the last part of this. Jesus says, the one who enters the kingdom of heaven, this is a narrow gate, is the one who does the will of my Father. This is hear, trust, obey. This is hearing the voice of God, trusting it enough to obey it. And at the end here, you see these people say, God, didn't we do these things for you? Didn't we do this in your name and this in your name? Look at what I did here and look at what I did there. Didn't we do this for you? Does that remind you of anybody in the Sermon on the Mount? That's a hypocrite talking. That's someone saying, look at me praying. Look at me doing this, standing out. And Jesus is saying, those, those people that say that, they're focused on the wrong thing. They're focused on the task. They're focused on the religion. They're focused on, on this aspect of it that I'm not even talking about. Jesus is saying it's about a relationship. And he points to it here. He says, and then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. And we read that sometimes, and it's like so, it sounds like Jesus is angry when we read that. And it sounds like he's, he's like casting us off or whoever. He's like, 
I declare, I never knew, and we read it like with an angry tone, like, I never knew you, depart from me, you work with lawlessness. I read it like Jesus' heart is breaking. And he's like, guys, I never knew you. You're all about the task. You're all about doing this. You're all about pointing to yourself. And you never once spent time with me. I never knew you. Depart from me. You've just been a worker of sin. That's what that word is. You haven't been bearing good fruit. He's like, it's never about the fruit. It was about the tree. And you're never healthy because you never spent time with me. Jesus is calling you to himself this morning. He's calling you into relationship with the Father. He's calling you to no longer be a spiritual orphan, but be adopted as children of the Father into a relationship that is abundant. You know, when we think about the abundant life, it's not about getting things. It's not about having success. It's not about whatever your dreams are. It's not about those things. The abundant life is life spent with the Father in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's the case, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. And it will be hard, guys. Like, it doesn't mean you won't deal with things. Like, it doesn't mean that you won't mourn, that you won't grieve. It doesn't mean that you won't suffer. It doesn't mean that you won't have pain. But it means that Jesus is there with you all the time. And he's connecting you to the Father. There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing you should desire more than that. And at the end of the day, that's the truth we give to our world. That's what we're pointing people to, that that's the way, that's the truth, and that's a life. It's a life that is lived in relationship with the Father, not in doing a bunch of things, but in just being in the presence of the Father. So I invite you into that this morning, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, whether you know Jesus or whether you're just trying to figure it out. We're inviting you into the presence of the Father this morning. And when we approach the Lord's table, that's what this represents. And this is the presence of Jesus. This is what, what Jesus has done for us. It's his body broken for us. It's his blood shed for us. And we remember that he came down to us to show us the Father. Colossians 1 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so ask Jesus to reveal himself to you this morning. And so if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, this is for you. This is for you to remember Jesus, to be in his presence, to know that he's here. He's here with us. And that he's inviting us into the Father's presence this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you've shown us who the Father is. Thank you that you've shown us that God is a Father. And so, Father, we say this morning that we love you. And I pray that we wouldn't just say that, but that you would just transform our lives to look like that, so that when people see us, when people experience us, they would experience you, and they would see you in us, and they would know your presence. And so, Lord Jesus, this morning, for, for those who are struggling in their faith, for those who aren't 
followers of Jesus this morning and for those who are and just, just trying to see who you are more as a father, draw them to yourself. Father, pray that we would know you more deeply this morning than we've ever known you. And so awaken us this morning by your spirit. We ask in your name, amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.